Welcome to What's Working in Washington. I'm Jonathan Aberman. Today, how software can help with mergers. They often want to know and talk to people with M&A experience, like consultants, advisors, attorneys, and others, to say, okay, how do we need to structure our company over the next few years so that we can exit, whether that exit be uh, going public or whether selling to a private equity or to another strategic. In the last five years, the business of purchasing companies, sometimes called M&A, which is short for mergers and acquisitions, has migrated away for many people, not just worrying about the financial part of the transaction, but actually thinking about how to make the combined companies work properly after a deal. I can tell you, having been in the merger and acquisition economy myself for many years, it's not an easy thing to do because of the cultural differences between companies between and because of unspoken expectations that people often have, but often because nobody's really thinking about how to use technology to integrate the companies after the deal. Our next guest, Nick Perdikas, is CEO and CRO of Devonsoft, and he's here to speak about M&A and also how technology really does make it more likely that a merge and acquisition deal will succeed. So, Nick, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. My experience, mergers fail for a lot of different reasons, but uh, from yours, why, why do so many mergers, M&A transactions, ultimately fail to deliver the value buyers think they're going to bring them? So there's obviously a number of reasons. Um, the, the ones that we hear about the most and see the most is that there's um, unrealistic expectations sometimes set uh, during the deal that uh, in the post-merger integration uh, phase of the uh, transaction, you have a disconnect between what's expected and how do you deliver those results. Um, sometimes all the individuals that are needed to make those decisions oftentimes are not involved during the early stage of the transaction, during the financial close of the transaction, because it's, uh, it, they're not, it's not in their purview necessarily early on. Now, they may cover some of this in the due diligence phase and, and try to address any potential uh, risks or liabilities. Um, however, in the post-close some of that information is then sort of thrust and dropped in the lap of these functional leads in uh, HR, finance, operations, sales, marketing, and then they have to actually execute on this and generate these um, financial results that they're... Yeah, I think that um, one of the interesting things about merger and acquisitions is that when you're looking to buy something, you, first of all, you don't want there to be a large number of people on the other side that know about the transaction because you want to keep it confidential. But if you're CEO of a target, you don't want a lot of your employees to know because they get distracted. And, and here's a dirty reality. Most merger and acquisition proposals don't actually result in a deal. I, I've learned that over the years, having done hundreds of them. So you want to keep your people immunized and away from the transaction. But then the deal happens, and all of a sudden they have to actually deliver and the buyer has to be able to integrate them. It sounds to me like it's a cultural challenge, but um, I know that uh, Devonsoft is really interested in technology. How does technology help make sure that these M&A transactions actually work out? Organizing all the activities that have to happen and setting the right expectations and financial targets for the company and then trickle that down to the individual uh, functions and the work streams that are set up to actually in do the integration is really important. So our software allows companies to organize that properly and be able to communicate and collaborate with all the appropriate stakeholders from both companies in order to make it successful. You mentioned culture. Mm -hmm. You know, that's a, a huge component of um, making a, an acquisition really succeed at the end is you want to bring these people together. You want to make sure that you, know, you, you decide which is the best option to go with. You know, sometimes 
the company you're acquiring has a better way of doing things than the company that's doing the acquisition. So you may want to integrate those processes. So having a tool to manage that, to plan that out, and then as you execute to track all of those activities is really important. The results of the of the or the financial results of this post-merger integration activities um, are really need to be realized quickly. Right? So the longer you take to integrate, the less time you have to generate the kind of value that you're That's exactly right. So when you're talking about process, you're talking about, for example, how you onboard a new employee or how you deal with expense reimbursement or how you you track AR, all the different things that a business does to actually be able to provide the bottom of information so management can function. Ultimately, people say to me, well, a merger is about culture. And my answer to that is, yeah, but culture comes out of process, right? That's right. So uh, as you look at this market right now, uh, are you seeing a lot more M&A activity than, say, three or four years ago? Um, I think we're also in a very active M&A market. Last year, 2018, was one of the hottest M&A markets uh, in periods uh, that we've seen. And 2019, certainly, we've seen some very large types of transactions um, announced, you know, that... uh, in the healthcare space or, or in life sciences and, and other areas. So um, I don't see any let up. I mean, the economy is booming. It's uh, companies want to put their money to use and invest it wisely. And oftentimes when companies limited their organic growth potential, not themselves artificially limited, but just by opportunities, right? the market size is only so big. And so for them in order to grow and expand, um, inorganic growth or acquisitions are a core co- uh, component of their growth. Well, frankly, it's it's the quickest way to grow. Yeah. It does strike me that uh, uh, the merger and acquisition market here is unappreciated. A couple of years ago, I did a comprehensive study and determined at that time there were more than a $100 billion plus transactions have been done over a 20-year period. Now I think the number is up to 108 and more than 6,000 M&A deals. This is one of the most active M&A markets in the country. Do you find um, that surprising? Not really. I think we have um, one of the biggest customers in the world here, the uh, the government. Mm-hmm. And so you have a lot of acquisition activity, uh, particularly in that space, um, in the government contractor space. Um, for a while, it's sort of died down a bit with uh, changes in uh, budget and, and spend within the government um, and acquisition strategies or, or policies. But um, I've seen a, a resurgence of that. And, and in fact, even in the in the startup community, um, one of the things that uh, I, I participate in a lot of different startup activities in the area. And so in looking at these companies, they're eventually going to want to look at some type of an exit strategy. And so in order to get to an exit, you have to think about where do I need to be as a company? How do I need to set up my business? So they often want to know and talk to people with M&A experience, like consultants, advisors, attorneys, and others to say, okay, how do we need to structure our company over the next few years so that we can exit, whether that exit be uh, going public or whether selling to a private equity or to another strategic. Mm -hmm. And so... One thing we've seen is private equity platform companies, those that PE firms invest in for then further acquisitions down the road, uh, will come to us and say, hey, can we look at your platform to use to help us track all of these different acquisition opportunities and then you know, run that process through um, as quickly and efficiently as possible? It makes a lot of sense. And folks, if you are thinking about 
growing your business and selling it one day, make no mistake, culture doesn't happen by accident. It happens through really detailed process. Nick, thanks for joining us today. It was great having you. My pleasure. Thank you to our sponsor, the Greater Washington Board of Trade. The Greater Washington Board of Trade represents leading businesses, nonprofit organizations, and academic institutions, and has helped shape the development of our region for over 130 years. Visit boardoftrade.org to learn about how a Board of Trade membership can help your organization succeed in this rapidly changing marketplace. Our executive producer is Tracy Madigan, online writer Barbara Ulrich, music provided by two D.C. region bands, Two Car Living Room, and The Sunbathers. I'm Jonathan Aberman. Thanks for listening. See you next time. To be your best every day, you need proven quality sleep every night. Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. And that's where the sleep number bed comes in. And let me tell you, ever since I've had it, my sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher And did you know 8 out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples, temperature struggles are a real challenge. So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. Look for beds designed with temperature benefits such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 Smart Bed that actively warms and cools each side so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed. Plus, special financing for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash podcast one. Sleep Number, the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details.